Please remain standing for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Today's scripture reading will be coming out of Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorn grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, church. Hope you guys are doing all right. Let me uh, go to the word, uh, go to prayer real quick. Um, God, may you give us mercy in, in this place today, that we may hear your word, and may you give us grace, that our hearts be changed, and our lives be transformed and we may pursue your kingdom, that we would desire to pursue your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we are beginning an eight-week series on the parables of Jesus. Um, and all the parables that we're going to look at will come from the book of Luke. And if you're unfamiliar uh, with what a parable is, a parable basically is a story that Jesus told to communicate truth through a, nar- a narrative analogy in order to teach spiritual lessons. Um, and, and, and with some of the parables, you can, there are some characteristics that Jesus tells. And, and one of the first things that we could see uh, with, with Jesus' parables, sometimes they're triggered uh, by certain situations that, that Jesus encounters. Um, there was one time Jesus was, he was eating with, at, at a Pharisee's house, and then a woman of the city comes in and begins to wipe, wipe Jesus' feet with her tears and then begins to anoint him. And then the Pharisee 
And the, the Pharisee, he began to question, man, who, who is this Jesus? If he knew, he, if he was really a prophet, he would know who this woman was, and he wouldn't let her touch him like that, right? right? And, and, and so Jesus begins to respond with a story. He responds with a story about uh, a, a moneylender who uh, loaned money to two people, one person owed the money lender maybe about $5,000. Another person owed about uh, maybe $50,000. Uh, and then it goes on in the story where the money lender forgives the debt of both, uh, of, both per- of both people. And then Jesus begins to ask the question. Uh, he asked the Pharisee, who would love the money lender more? And, of course, through that story, Jesus, he, he teaches the Pharisee a lesson on how much the Pharisee actually loved Jesus. And another thing we see about the parables is that uh, Jesus, he begins to use like kind of everyday knowledge and things about, um, the, uh, that people would know about, right? He would use, there's a story, uh, a parable about the yeast. Or there's another parable of the hidden treasure, right? Uh, and back in the day, um, there, were, there were no banks. So in order to kind of keep your, your, um, your expensive things, to, to, to keep your valuable possessions safe, what you would do is you would hide it in a field. And this was kind of common knowledge to, in, in, in the days back then. Or another parable, he talks about the lost sheep, right? The lost sheep of how the shepherd would go and he would leave the 99 and go find the one. And of course, today, if he, Jesus told a story about the sheep and shepherd, that wouldn't really make sense. We don't really see shepherds and sheep roaming around, but yet back in that day, that was, very, uh, that was a commonplace thing. And then one more characteristic uh, about parables that Jesus would say, uh, Jesus would use, was he would begin parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown out. The kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed. And so those are three characteristics of uh, parables that Jesus used. And those aren't the only ones, uh, only characteristics, but those are the ones um, that we could actually see here today in our, in our parable that we read in Luke chapter, in Luke 8. So in our passage, we'll see all three of them. And, 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 and all of these characters, they'll give us insight as to, uh, they'll give us insight as to, uh, to, to explain the, par- the parable that we are going to read today. So if you look at verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 4, if you look at it real quick, right, this is the situation that, that triggers Jesus to, to talk, to tell this parable. In, in uh, Luke 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 4, he says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. So that's the situation that triggers Jesus to tell this parable. And the second thing, he, uh, secondly, we, he tells this parable about the sower, right? And, and, and the parable about the sower uh, is, is about this, this, this farmer, Right? If he were to tell this story today, we wouldn't really understand. But as Jesus would tell the story, the parable of the sower, the people could visualize a farmer. They could visualize this farmer maybe with a, a, a bag of seeds over his shoulder walking along a path. Right? They, they can imagine him walking. They can imagine him throwing the seeds out. And they can imagine the path that he's walking on. And they could also visualize the path. They could visualize that rocky ground, the rocky soil. And not only could they visualize it, they knew what he was talking about. They, they, they would know that there's a, this, this rocky soil is not just rocks, 
but rather they, they knew that he meant, hey, there's this, there's a, there's this soil, there's this, this piece of land where there's a thin piece of soil with rocks underneath it. So Jesus uses something that was common knowledge to his hearers. And the third thing that we see in this passage uh, and, and the passage that we're seeing today is that, you know, while Jesus, he doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is like this, but look at this. Look at uh, chapter 8, verse 10. If you look at it, he says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that, they, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Jesus uses a parable. He uses this parable to make a point because there's a crowd there. And at the end of the parable, he says one more thing. At the end of the parable, if you look at it in verse 8, he says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying not everyone who hears the word of God will know and understand and receive the secrets of the kingdom. There will be many. There will be many like in the crowds. There are many of us in here today. There are many in the crowd who will hear Jesus preach. They will see his miracles, and but they will walk away clueless about who Jesus is. They won't know the secrets of the kingdom of God. More specifically, they will not know the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. They won't know who he is. And that's what Jesus is saying. See, you won't know the secrets. You won't know who Jesus is. You won't know his rule and reign just because you hear his words. Many will hear his words and walk away clueless. They will walk away not knowing who Jesus is. So Jesus begins to teach about the importance of listening carefully to the word of God. He shows us what must happen to the word of God in our lives in order for us to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. He shows us what needs to happen with the word of God in our lives in order for us to know Jesus and his rule and reign. And so that's, what, that's our outline for today. <coughs> Sorry. That's our outline for, day, for today. The word of God, we, we must accept the word of God. The word of God must take root in our lives. The word of God must be preeminent. And the word of God must bear fruit. Jesus is saying we must be careful and pay attention to how we hear the word of God. And as I read, the, as I read this week, it says, there's one part that says, to the hard-hearted, parables are a warning. But to those who are open-hearted, parables illustrate the principles of a messianic rule of God. So the first thing that we see here today, right, we're going to look at the first thing that we see in the soils. There are the four soils. The, the, uh, the word of God must be accepted. So if you look at ver- uh, chapter 8, verse 5, and look at chapter 8, verse 12, let's li- look at that. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And if you jump down to verse 12, this is his explanation of that parable. And the ones along the path, um, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. 
In the story, the word of God had no integration, no time to sink in. There, there, wasn't, even, there wasn't even a, a little bit of soil to cover it. Right? The word of God doesn't even penetrate the heart whatsoever, none. And then it gets eaten by the birds of the air. So I, I, now I, I would hope that many of you, I would hope that many of you are here because you want to be. Right? No, no, a lot, most of you guys, no one's forced you to be here. You probably drove here yourself unless you're a youth in here. And maybe some of you youth, you don't want to be here. Maybe some of you, 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 you're sitting here week in, week out. You're here only because, why? Because your parents made you come. And week in and week out, the word is preached, and what happens? The word of God goes in one ear and goes out the other ear. And I think that's what's happening in this, in this the, the, that's a picture of what's happening in this story where the, the word of God, it just bounces right off of your heart. It just bounces right off your mind. You go, this is the word of God. I don't really want to listen to it. I don't really care. Or maybe, maybe there's some of you in here, or maybe you have encountered, you know, your, 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 your skeptic uh, friends, your friends that are skeptics, or your friends, uh, your, your co-workers who are skeptic, and maybe, you know, anything that you have to say about the Bible, maybe, you know, you have been trying to share the gospel, or you try to share some lessons that you've been learning, and, and that just, it just bounces off their ears. It just, they don't, they don't really want to accept it. They don't really want to hear it. And it doesn't matter what you say, they don't want anything to do with Christianity. And so I kind of think that, I believe that's kind of what's happening here in, in the story. But there's also a second thing that happens with this first soil, and I, and I think this is something that we need to take, he, uh, take warning of. Because the seed is not only eaten and taken away by the devil, but we also see that the seeds, they're trampled underfoot. And I think this can be a word of caution for us here today. Maybe the word of God in our lives has no value or maybe it has no worth. Maybe the word of God has no worth that we're supposed to give it in our lives. Maybe your Bible reading is inconsistent to non-existent in your life. Maybe there's no enjoyment of the word of God as you read it when you study the Bible it's just something that you're supposed to do. It's just something that I, I've, been, I've, been do, I've been doing since I've been a youth. I've been doing since I've been in college. I've been doing this for year after year. And the word of God is just a thing to be done. Are you able to share the, how the word of God has been working and transforming your life lately? I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm not trying to guilt trip people here, but what I'm trying to get to you to understand is this is what Christ was warning his hearers about. He is saying, examine what the role, uh, examine the role of, of the word of God in your life. What value do you give the word of God in your life? So this is the first thing that we see uh, happening in the word of God. It, it must be accepted. We can't just bounce off our hearts. But the second thing that we see is the word of God must take root. If you look at it, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 6, and 8, 13, if you read it, it says, Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. In verse 13, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and the test, in the time of testing, fall away. 
As I mentioned, there are some rocks that fell, there are some seeds that fell on the rock. And they weren't directly on the rocks, but there were, there, it was a rocky soil, if you can imagine, right? There was a, a layer of thin soil on top, and then there were rocks directly underneath the thin layer of soil. So the seed, it's able to grow a little bit. It's able to do much, a little bit more than just the seed out on the path. But it's not able to build any root at all. So when I was in high school, we lived, uh, our house was at the end of this cul-de-sac. But at the end of this cul-de-sac, it began to curve just a little bit. It wasn't a turn, and it wasn't just a straight on, but it, it began to curve a little bit. And I, and I tell you that because, <coughs> sorry, I, began, I tell you that because one, one night I was going to sleep, I hear this car racing down the street. I hear its engine. I hear it's going and all of a sudden, I hear the tire screech, and then the car ends up hitting a tree, right? And, and, and so my guess is that the car was going so fast, he didn't know that the road was curving, the road was turning, or the road ended, and he ended up just going so fast that he couldn't stop, and he ended up hitting a tree. And in the morning, the car was actually still there, so I went out and looked at it, and it was crazy. Like, the car literally was... He hit that tree directly, straight on in the middle, and basically the tree was probably like two feet from the windshield. You could imagine what that, the impact of that. The car may have, may have shaved a few layers of the tree, but that tree was still standing. And I think, I, I think you know what I'm about to say. And I think you know the tree still stood because of its roots. Right, the tree it, it didn't budge from a, a car hitting it at, at 30 or 40 miles an hour. If the tree had been a baby or a younger tree, it, it would have just ran it over and it would have went straight into the house. But it didn't. So in the same way, the word of God must take root in our lives, and, and, and not and, and, you know uh, the word must sustain us, and not just how we feel or some sort of excitement we get from Christianity, right? Because like the passage, what does it say? That we receive it with joy, right? He, 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 says, he says, you know, the, the, we, the, the, the soil receives it and receives it in joy, and yet it, it goes away. See, I see this a lot happening in youth ministry, right? Especially at the camps. Like we go to camp in like two, three weeks, right? I, I don't know, um, years ago when I, when I was younger, um, I would lead um, music for the junior high, junior high camp. And one of the most fun times at camp was when we would do like the last night. The last night music, right? The last night, it is the big night. We play like 50 songs in a row, right? It's like I, I, I could play like two songs now and I get tired. But now <coughs> I'm like scrug struggling to get through the sermon. But anyways, right? But like back then, it was like, it was like the last night the speaker would speak. All the kids were crying. And then I would come up and I would play a song. And then I'd be like, all right, let's sing another song. And then the crowds would be like, one more song, one more song. I'm like, what is this, a concert? But then I'd be like, okay, let's do another song, right? And I'm like, what song do you want to sing? And then all of a sudden they're like requesting this song and this song. And then we played it, right? And we would play like 10 response songs. And my team would hate me because they didn't practice any of the songs. But it was all the joy and it was all the excitement. And then what happens after that? It was like, woohoo, we sang like all these songs. Like, Jesus, take it all, take, take, take it all, right? And then all of a sudden the speaker comes up. Who wants to accept Jesus, right? Who wants to give your life to Jesus? And then the kids, and then they all go, yeah, yeah, me, 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 right? And then what happens? 
weeks from now and, and then weeks after camp and then all of that fades. So what we began to do was, okay, okay, like we, maybe we need to stop the 15 response songs. And so what we, what we ended up starting to do was uh, on the last night of camp, what we would do is we would have the speakers, get, you know, he would give the talk, he would give a message, and then, and then we would come up and do one response song, one or two, and then what we would do is go, hey, guys, students, why don't you go out? Go out and, and just, just go out and be by yourself somewhere in the woods. You can just, just leave this meeting room and just spend time alone listening to the voice of God. Listen to the Spirit. Listen for the voice of God by yourself, alone in the quietness of the woods. And after 10 minutes, we would ask them to come back. We would call them back, and, and then we would actually proceed with an altar call. Hey, 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 how do you want to respond? What did you hear? Our hope is that students, they didn't rest, and they didn't respond. They didn't rest on emotion. Our, our, our hope is that students, they didn't feed on their feelings. Another way I try to challenge students these days is to form your convictions and beliefs on not your feelings or your experiences, but on the word of God, right? One of the hardest doctrines to kind of figure out is what? Predestination and free will, right? Some of you guys are like, oh, free will or predestination, right? I don't know. I don't know whatever you feel, right? Many times, students, they'll say, you know what? I, I, I believe in free will. And, and, then, and I go, yeah, okay, why do you say that? And they say, you know what, yeah, I, I believe in free will because predestination is, is unfair, and I just don't like it. It feels bad. It doesn't feel good. And to which I say, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't feel good, predestination. But then I will follow up with them and ask them, sure, you can believe in free will. I'm, I'm down with it if you believe in it. But can you tell me what the Bible teaches about it? Or can you tell me what the Bible teaches about predestination? I can agree to disagree with you if you can come and tell, come with me with biblical arguments. Because you guys got to understand, my hope for the student is not to believe in free will or not to believe. And my hope for them is not to believe in predestination. This is not a debate of free will or predestination. But my hope for the student is that they can have convictions that are built from the word of God and not just some feelings that they have, not just some experience that they have. But can you come to me and can we have a discussion from the word of God? Can you tell me what the Bible teaches on it? Only then will I come and, and debate you or argue on it. You can believe what you want, but first, Come with me, come to me through the word of God. The word of God must take root and not just feelings in our lives. Our beliefs and our convictions and what we believe about who God is must come from the word of God. And, and, and so let's move on. And this, is our, and this is the third scenario that we see in this. And the word of God must be preeminent, right? And let's look at verse 7 and verse 14. In verse 7, it says, Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. 
And in verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but they go on their way, and they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. It was, diff- it was kind of difficult to find a word to kind of to use for my outline. But you could take this word preeminent to mean uh, that the word of God must be the only thing in your life. The word of God must be the greatest thing in your life. Because what we see here in the third soil, what we see here in this third scenario, Jesus talks about seas. They land among the thorns. The important thing actually we need to see here is in verse 14. In verse 14, look at it. It says, for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, and they go on their way, and they are choked. They, they, there's this picture of the, 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 the seeds and what grows from it. It gets choked by the cares of this world. In the context of the farmer, right, in the context of the farmer, the seed grows, but, the, but, then, but then once the seed grows, it begins to fight for nutrients from the weeds, Right? It doesn't receive what it needs to receive because all the nutrients is, give, is being given to the weeds in this picture. Uh, and, and so what we're we saying, in the same way, Jesus says, the ones who hear the words of God, right, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Last week, I, last week I spoke to the students, uh, uh, and, I, and I shared about the parable of the hidden treasure. Right, the, par- the parable of the hidden treasure, it reads, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, right, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. To explain the passage, I, I-, I use this example. <coughs> Sorry. I use this example, right? This, this parable of the, the-, the-, the, treasure- the treasure in the field, it applies to the rich and to the poor, Right, um, because as a young as a young person, as a young couple, you know what? Like, there's I don't really I haven't really accumulated a lot of things. Right, I I, I don't have uh, a lot in the bank. I don't have a lot of possessions. And so you know what? Like, if if God were to say, hey, you know what? You know, go and sell all they have and and and, and pursue the kingdom of God. And, and you know, like, and you know, give up and, and you know, go be a missionary or something. You sell all you have. That would be kind of easy for me, right? I don't really have a lot of stuff, right? I mean, I mean, if you're a college student here, all you have is like a box of ramen, right? Like, it's like, Jesus, do whatever you want, right? Like, take my ramen, that's it, right? It's easy. But I, th- I started thinking about it. Like, this passage doesn't just apply to poor college kids and, and poor, you know, poor people, but it applies to the rich too. So I, so I was like, man, what if I had as much as, as the Amazon's owner, Jeff Bezos, right? Whatever his name is. What if I had all that he had, the money that he had, the house that he had, the cars that he had, and, and whatever he had in life? What if I had all that and God goes, give it up? I would probably be like, ah, uh, that's a lot harder to do than a box of ramen. But the parable of the hidden treasure applies. Why? Because God, what Jesus is saying, you know what? You know what? The value of the kingdom of God is greater than everything in this world. The value, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you have, it doesn't matter how much you have, the value, that you, uh, the value of the kingdom is much greater than everything in this world. 
I told the students, it's not wrong to be rich. There's a lot of rich people in here. I know, I know, I know y'all are rich in here. It's not bad to have money. But it's dangerous when you begin to see more value in the things in life that you have. It's dangerous when you don't see the value of the kingdom of God. Why? Because if you value the things that you have, the things in this world, like in the parable, the cares, the riches, the pleasures, then you wouldn't give it up for the kingdom of God. Right? If you won't give it up for the kingdom of God, then that means now, that means now, you're not giving up your time, your energy, your focus, your pursuits to the kingdom. You're, you're not, you're, 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 sorry, if you're not giving up for the, if you're not willing to give it up for the kingdom of God, then you're giving your time and energy to the pursuits of the cares, pursuit of the riches and pleasures of the world. And it will choke the time that you give to the pursuit of the kingdom of God and the word of God. Right? If you, if you, if you pursue the pleasures and the cares of this world, it's going to choke your time that you give to the word of God. The word of God <coughs> the word of God cannot be one of many things uh, of pursuits in your life. You cannot have the word of God in one hand and then, and then the cares of the world and the pleasures of the world in the other. If you do, you're going to drop the word of God. If you have both things in your hands, you're going to drop the word of God and you're just going to go after the cares and pleasures of the world. You know, yesterday I, I just learned that uh, if, you look, if you look in my backyard, I have this little like t- 20 by 20 yard and all the grass is dead because I try to kill the weeds and the grass die too. So... But someone was saying, hey, you know what? If you take care of the grass, then your weeds will die. If you take care of the grass, the weeds will die. If your grass is healthy, then the weeds will automatically die. I'm like, oh, thanks for telling me that, like 20, 20 days too late, right? But, and that's the same way if we take care of the word of God in our life. If we pursue the word of God in our life. If that's the only thing in our lives, then everything else begins to fade because the value of everything else begins to fade. The value that we put on the cares and pleasures of the world goes away. The word of God must be preeminent in our life. It must be the only thing. It must be the greatest thing. And there's one more thing that we need to see. The word of God must bear fruit. And that's the last thing that we see in verse 8, 8, 8, and 8, 15. And some fell into the good soil and yield and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And, 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 and as he said these things, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 15, and as for the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold fast and honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The word of God goes out and it lands on the good soil it lands and it takes root and it grows and it yields a hundredfold, right? And, and, and Jesus, he, in his explanation, the seed grows because something happens, right? It says that there are those who hold fast in, in an honest and good heart. My question to you right now, 
When was the last time you were convicted of something, either from your personal study of the Word of God, or maybe you were convicted from the preaching of the Word here, or maybe even in a Sunday school class? You and I have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with where we are. We have to be honest with our struggles. We have to begin to think about what are we going through in life? What, is, what are my struggles? Well, where am I falling short at? What is the sin in my life that's, that's, that's taking over? Because when we, when we begin to think about these things and when we're honest with ourselves, it is then and only then when the God, word of God begins to, to begin to work in our lives. Right, it, it, When God points to a certain area in your life, he wants to deal with it, right? And we can't just hide and then ignore it. We can't just go, you know what, yeah, God, I know you told me this, but I, I'm, I'm not going to work on this part of my life. When our hearts hold on to the word of God, it exposes our hearts, right? When our, when our, when our hearts are exposed to the word of God, the word of God exposes our sin and it convicts us, we cannot be dodging the word of God. We can't let it be going one ear and out the other ear. We can't just begin to ignore it when it starts to do hard things in our life. Right? We, we, we can't begin to value the things of the world over the value of the word itself. We have to be honest when we hear the word of God. The word of God can only bear fruit in your life if it is allowed to do work in your life. I'll say that again. The word of God can only bear fruit in your life if it is allowed to do work in your life. To help us understand this a little more, I'll ask this question. What is this fruit in your life? What are we, what are we going after? If, if, if the word of God must bear fruit, what is this fruit? Let's actually read on to the next parable in, in verse 16. I believe they're both connected. It says in verse 16, look at it. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under the bed, but puts it on the stand so that those who enter may see the light. Sorry. Jesus is saying if you have the gospel, if you are saved by the gospel, now you can't do, you can't do anything but to live the gospel. Right? You can't do anything but to live it and to breathe it and to share it and to proclaim it. Right? If you know the gospel, if you're saved by the gospel, if you know the word of God, you can't do anything but to proclaim it. <coughs> right? If you don't, you're not living out the purpose um, that, that, that you're not living out the purpose of your salvation. Right? Like the parable, you don't light a candle and then cover it up. You don't light a candle and put it under a table or put it under a bed. That defeats the purpose of it. And so if you aren't living, if you aren't proclaiming the gospel, then that defeats the purpose of the work of God's word, the work of God's word in your life. That defeats the purpose of your salvation. Our fruit is being able to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the secrets of the kingdom of God. Our fruit is being able to proclaim the rule and reign of Jesus Christ here. Our fruit is, you know, is to proclaim that. And if we're going to proclaim the kingdom of God, what we're doing is we're driving back the darkness in the dark areas of sin in this world. 
And that's the same exact thing that happens in our life now when we encounter the word. When we encounter the word, when it takes root, what happens? It exposes us and it pushes back that same, it pushes back the sin and darkness in our life. So if we are to push back, so once we push back the sin and darkness in our life, then and only then can we push back the sin and darkness of the world as we proclaim the kingdom of God. So as Jesus says in 8.18, he says in 8.18, take care than how you hear. For to the one who has, more would be given. And from the one who has not, not even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear. We must be careful with how we listen to the word of God. We, must, we cannot be like the crowds who follow Jesus when we want the good stuff from Jesus only. We must pursue Christ himself. He is challenging all who follow him to listen intently to all that he has to say and make sure it is taking root in our life, making sure it is doing work in our life, making sure it is pushing back darkness in our life. Listen intently to what he has to say so that you don't miss the kingdom of God, the secrets of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, I pray that you give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are transformed and changed. And give us lives that are lived out for your glory and for your fame and for your namesake. Because you are the greatest thing in the world. You are the hope for the world. You are the only thing that can push back the darkness and sin in this world. May you make us whole. Restore us. Push back the darkness in our lives so that we may push back the darkness in this world. May we live for your kingdom, the kingdom that has greatest value in this whole world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.